2: Horror,
0: fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller.
1: You. One size fits all seemed
2: like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt.
2: Until you tried
0: it on. Same goes for your health
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash
2: weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. All the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. I've
1: now entered the house of mystery
2: with your hosts.
0: Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. on
2: KCB. 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and
0: 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery... I'm Al Warren. Mr. Joe Goldberg is here.
2: I'm here. I'm looking at my hazy skies because your Canadian smoke is blocking out my U.S. sun. Thank you very much. Well, we've got to clean that country somehow. <laughs> and Canada's just a country to do it, too.
0: That's right. You've got to clean it out. It's really kind of a, it's not really smoke, you know. What is it's it? It's really a drug. It's a drug. And you think it's smoke. And a happiness drug? Yeah. It's going to be. It make- ain't working on me. Well, you're going to take an extra booster or two, right? You know,
2: to go out and take some big
0: gulps. Yeah. That's not, you're not an easy, you know, turnover here. That's going to be one rough, of the, but lovable. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, if that's what you want to call it. That was my nickname in the government. gruff but lovable. I bet it was. Um, it was. Yeah. I shan't make that up. Yeah. Well, no. I said shan't. Yeah. The bosh of government. <laughs> well, now today we've got another, uh, ex government man who's in the writing world. And his new book is called Dead Drop and it's the handler thriller. And it's book two. So Mr. M. P. Woodward, thanks for being here.
1: Hey Al. Hey Joe, thanks for having me. Hey.
0: So um you know I have to ask, you haven't been on the show before, so how did you get into the writing world? I mean you have quite the history as um being in US intelligence ops and 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 stuff before and so what what got you into the writing part?
1: Well, i my background uh, as a naval intelligence officer uh, certainly informed a lot of how I thought about plots and ideas. but it it was really the last uh, decade I spent with uh, Amazon in uh, prime video, working in the streaming group where I got to meet lots of screenwriters and showrunners and uh, folks like that that really, that really made me think a lot more about how to put together a story, how to make a compelling, succinct art and how to do a better characterization. So it was sort of a combination of those two things.
0: Yeah. You know, so do you like the, uh, the industry? Of course, I don't want you to talk about prime bad or good or anything. I'm not saying that, but when you, when you were in that part of the, the industry, um, do you like the, do you like the way it is now with streaming rather than the old, just basic cable? <laughs>
1: I, I do. Uh, it's, um, I think, I think it's amusing that, you know, we went from having a big cable bundle that cost, uh, 150 bucks a month or whatever to now having 15 different, uh, streaming services that are all, you know, five to $10. But I think the, the world of on demand is, is, is definitely a step forward. And I think being able to choose the content you want is great. And i as well, I would say that it enabled and and democratized content creation. You know we went from uh whatever it was, fifty scripted shows a year to hundreds and hundreds um when the streaming services all invest in that, and I think we're starting to see that you know pull back a little bit, but I think all that has been really positive for the entertaining, consuming public.
0: do you think it puts a lot of pressure on on writers. Yeah, uh, people like yourself to come up with a lot of content when it's when it's been such a boom.
1: Well, I think that's a good problem to have uh, for for a writer. Uh, frankly, uh, you know, a writer needs a needs a laptop, and that's and that's about it. Uh, whereas a producer needs a whole bunch of things and somebody to back it and and a whole lot of money. Um, so I, I I think that that is all generally positive. I do think that um, streaming in general. Has had something of an impact on the literary world. You know, 20 or 30 years ago, everybody knew when uh, there was, say, a new James Mitchner book, you know, or James Clavell book, and they were big or Tom Clancy and they were a thousand pages and that kind of thing. I feel like the um, attention span or maybe expectations of the entertaining and entertainment consumer today. Has been modified a little bit by by streaming, and so now I, I think the books tend to tend, tend to read a lot more like movies than they used to.
2: Did being around that world, the streaming world, impact your book writing?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I I think before, like I I was into um, plot and how this unfold, but when you get into the presentation of plot. I often visualized it as a screenwriter might and really thought about, well, how, how, how do they do this? How do you advance a story simply by, you know, cutting from one setting to the next rather than having to explain how everybody got there? A lot of that, a lot of stuff I think in writing can actually be done quote unquote off camera. And I think that that can help make a story much more Succinct and focused, and that's something that I picked up on um, in the video streaming world.
0: So now your series, The Handler, this is book two. Um, tell us a little bit about what the series is.
1: Yeah, it focuses on a on a, a family, a divorced couple, uh, where the 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 male, whose uh, name is John Dale, has been uh, is out of the CIA, but his ex wife has stayed in, and in the first uh, the first of the series. He's pulled back in effectively because of a, of a problem they have that only he can help solve. So he's forced to work with his ex-wife. And of course, there's, there's a lot of tension there. Um, and that, and that focused on, um, on, on getting someone out of, um, out of Iran. In this, um, in this second book, it's the same cast of characters, but it's much more focused on Israel and Mossad and uh, the competition the CIA has with the Mossad and, and the different ways that the two spy agencies look at a, uh, a particular problem, and that puts them in conflict and endangers them. But throughout, I try to focus on this theme, um, this emotional connection between the, the two main characters and their daughter, and, um, and, and how that can affect like, intelligence operations.
2: Well, that's my next question. Let's stick with the character part. You obviously researched or know about the difficulty of having a family or relationships. I was in the agency, you know, divorce rate was high. People were always traveling a lot of interagency relationships because of that. So you obviously were trying to describe that or use that as a, as a character development point.
1: Yes, I was. Um, some of this goes back to my, my earlier career Um uh, when I was, when I was an intelligence officer, you know, my, my job was really to collate information coming in from various, uh, various of America's spy agency resources, right? And so that includes the NSA and, and the CIA and the various military, uh, intelligence ser- uh, services. And so in doing that, you know, you get to know people. And I think that, that a lot of you know, regular civilians think of this world as being somewhat monolithic or populated with with sort of um uh prototypical carriers or, 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 or characters that are stereotypes. Um whereas in my experience these are all very, very real people. And um they are for the most part um very much doing uh something that they feel is very honorable, but they have conflicts um in their personal lives as as we all do in our professional pursuits. And I simply wanted to to portray that. I didn't want to try to write a thriller where, you know, the main characters are the president and the secretary of defense because, I, you know, I I haven't I haven't worked in the White House, but I have worked with uh, the people doing these things at um, call it the kind of mid officer level, and I, I think of them as you know ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and I really wanted to uh, to dramatize that.
0: How would you describe your relationship then with your characters in this series?
1: <laughs> yeah, intimate, uh, um, <laughs> maybe psychologically unbalanced. Uh, I I don't know how it is for for other writers necessarily, but I get very emotional um, when I'm when I'm writing these things, and I think that when I do that 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 actually that actually comes through and and is helpful. And I figure that if if I can get emotional. Um, about them, it's because I care about them and they've become real to me. And if they've become real to me, hopefully they've become, um, real to my readers as well. So that's, it's an aspiration for me to, to attain that.
0: Well, where did they come from? How did you develop your characters or is is this maybe explain that process?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I, um, I started with two, I started with the idea of a divorced couple first of all, um, because I'd, I'd seen some um, divorced couples who'd, who'd worked together well. Um, I, I liked the idea of a, a strong um, career woman and all the sacrifices that that strong career women make. And I've worked with, with many over the years who balanced very complicated lives, you know, as, as single mothers, uh, as executives managing both up and down. So I wanted a strong female character, I think is where this really started. And then to give her conflict in her life, I wanted her, uh, you know, her former relationship to be someone who was different from her, yet they still have something of a symbiotic uh, relationship. So um, that male character started as something, as a foil for my strong female character, but then he took on uh, a life of his own. And once I had populated um, those two, I wanted to portray a couple of things. Um, I wanted to make sure that I illustrated that even though we're talking about, you know, important things like national security, everyone still works in a bureaucracy and that can be frustrating. You know, we've, all of us have dealt with bureaucracy and bosses and people that that you don't think see it the right way or have their not necessarily their best interests at heart. So, so a lot of other characters I, I wanted to, to illustrate that way, both good and bad. Well, how do
2: you illustrate character development and change? Do you plot out what you're going to have, what you want them to be and write the plot around that? Or does the plot sort of exist and you plot your characters along that line?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a super interesting question. I, I think the plot exists as the, the, the center of the wheel. And the characters are the spokes and each of those spokes rotates around and each character completes, uh, his or her arc. So I definitely try to think about the plot causing a conflict for the carriers, for the characters that they must ultimately resolve, you know, whether they're a bad guy or a good guy. And in so doing, they start the book one way and they end the book another. Um, and if I've if I've done my job right, that that happens for all the principal characters and hopefully with something of an ironic twist as well.
0: When you have a plot that covers things like national security and nuclear negotiations and things like this in this conspiratorial culture we have of late, um, do, do you ever think about what maybe some of the readers will will Read into this story or find in the book?
1: Um, I maybe, and if if they do, I think that that's a good thing. I want there are certain themes um, in in these books, and I've just finished the the third one. and there are certain themes that I I want to get across, and so I hope readers are are actually thinking about some of those things rather than just you know enjoying an action scene. I want that to happen too. I mean, this is ultimately enter- entertainment. But I would like readers to be to be thoughtful, and in the case of Dead Drop, um, the the book we're discussing now, um, one of the things I wanted to get across was the differing points of view of the the Iranians, the Israelis, and the Americans, and how how much each of those is influenced by their own political systems um, back back home, and all that comes to conflict through these characters who are who are. You know, farther down the the pecking order. But I I hope that um, readers will actually learn something about this, that they'll learn a little bit about the Israeli point of view about how Mossad operates, as well as, you know, why the Iranians think that they are justified in their uh, their pursuit of, um, of of nuclear energy and nuclear weapons.
2: Well, what did MP learn about himself going from the first book to the second book how how were you different as of writing a second book
1: yeah the, everyone told me well let let me, let me say that when <laughs> when penguin picked up the first book I, I had the pleasure of meeting several several authors and it was a multi book deal for the for the series and um, the, all these other authors said to me you know pretty successful guys uh, all of them best selling authors They said to me, Hey, your second book, not to put more pressure on you, but the second book is always the hardest one. And, and you need to hurry up and finish it before the first book launches, because in the, in the year between, you know, having gotten a contract and it actually coming out, you know, it feels like nothing happens. But then when the book starts to come out, you're going to be busy. You're not going to have time to write that second book. So I listened very carefully, um, to that, to that advice. I think writing the second book is hard only because somebody's watching you. When you write that first book, you don't necessarily know, if, you know, is this just a hobby or is this going to go somewhere? And the second book, you know, people have paid you money. And so you are very focused on getting it right. And so the, the pressure makes makes that hard, um, but it also makes you work harder. And I would say that the, the thing that I learned is that characterization is just key um the way i see it you can come up with a plot but ultimately uh the people move the plot in the story the, the plot don't move the people and that's really what i learned in the second book is that anytime i got stuck i could rely on those strong characterizations i built since the first one and uh and and have that push the story forward
2: well you know that the editor is gonna that's an interesting. Uh... Give me some thoughts. So, you know, the editor is going to be reading your book. He's looking over your shoulder. He or she's looking over your shoulder. Are there readers looking over your shoulder now as you write your book? Are you thinking about them? It,
1: it, only in a positive, only in a positive way. I get a lot of encouragement. Um, that's that's actually been something that was surprising to me. Was uh, I guess with social media, you know, everyone's everyone's in touch with everyone if they want to be, and. Um, I had um, I had a lot of reach outs uh, just on 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 Facebook or or Twitter or or from my website and um, some of them almost I mean 99 percent of them are super encouraging and one that stuck out for me was I got a uh, a message on on Facebook from a from a gentleman and he said he said I love this I love this book he was speaking of the handler. And he said, uh, "I'm. Uh, I really need you to write a sequel, and I need you to hurry up. I'm 93 years old, and I live in New Zealand. So I thought, all right, all right, sir, I will, I will hustle up and make sure we we get you one. And so here it is. is.
2: I'm Writing it for you, sir. Yes,
1: that's right.
2: Put him in the, you know, hope you put him in the dedication, and the acknowledgments, right? <laughs>
1: I, I, you're right. I should. I, 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 that was a miss. I should have done that.
0: And then afterwards, he writes a bad review. <laughs> I'm not an acknowledgement. No, <laughs>
1: better not. Better not. I can get to New Zealand.
0: <laughs> so, are you thinking about violence on the page when you write it? Are you conscious, you know, in this ever-sensitive world, or do you just go ahead and write how you think it should be and and not worry about it?
1: I, I write how I think it should be and not worry about it. And what what I try, like like I mentioned, I think that the genre has changed a little bit. Um, in a Jean Le Carre book you know, there there really aren't fight scenes, right? It's all psychological and gamesmanship. And I think in my books, I, I, I want there to be that kind of psychology and gamesmanship, but because the genre has changed to an expectation for action, there's also lots of action. And I never lose sight of the fact that this is ultimately um, entertainment. And if you've done your job right, the action is the culmination of something rather than just, um, being gratuitous, uh, gratuitous set piece. But when I do get to the action, I try to write it as closely as I can from the the character's point of view with whom the reader should be identifying. And in that point of view, I think it is a desperate struggle. You know, I think you're poking eyes out and biting and scratching and clawing and using you know whatever weapon. You can get your hands on, um, and so I, I I prefer that to be as as gritty as possible because I think that's how it, I think that's how it would be.
2: Well, then tell me about your bad guys. How do you create or deal with them as you're creating your good people at the same time?
1: Um, I th- I think uh, one thing that I try to do with my with my villains is to to make it because these are because these are really geopolitical thrillers. The villains um, have motivations that the reader might not agree with, and so I want the reader to root against the villains. But I also want the reader to understand why the villains doing what they're doing. I don't think it can just be a you know twirling the mustache uh, cutout character who's just you know a, a sociopath or, a, or or a sadist. I, I think there's a there's a place for that. It's just I don't think that that's necessarily this um this genre so so the villains that that I have I want them to be capable I want them to be um, strong characters and so that when they when they show up their their purpose is that the reader feels real fear for the hero right is is really worried and sort of it's a blood a blood curdling moment just because they know that that villain is really capable and they know that villain's capable largely because uh, that villain believes in what he or she is doing and they're, they're every bit as good as the, as the protagonist. So that, that's how I think.
0: about. it. Do, do you actually have a um, subtext or meaning that you want a reader to get, you know, whether it is, you know, something that develops organically as the story comes together or perhaps something you put in there. Is there some sort of a, a thing you want, you know, readers to take away besides entertainment?
1: Without a doubt. Um, and I think it's a, two levels. One, I think there's a literary level which is about theme and, you know, that for me, um, I won't say what they are, <laughs> I won't say what they are specifically, but a lot of them are rooted in family and um, the value of relationships is a big part of the theme of um, the, the entire Handler series. Um, so there's that literary aspect which hopefully hopefully gets illustrated through Character development and the character arc. Um, but there is also this aspect because I'm writing about things that are really taken from the headlines. I'm trying to, to point out areas that I think are, are dangerous that maybe aren't, you know, necessarily in the news every single day, but, but merit mentioning. And if I've done my job right, I actually, I want my leader, my readers to learn something about, you know, that situation or how it's being approached or, potential threats there
0: and and throughout it like you talk about how um it's centered on family and relationships and stuff um i can't help but think that um that's important to you and therefore you probably have drawn from a lot of your own relationships to put into these characters
1: yeah i think so i I think that's something that comes with experience and maturity, right? I have uh, children who are uh, 21 and and 23 now, you know, married a long time, um, have been in a couple different careers. And when you think back over all, you know, when anyone thinks back, I think over the experiences they've had, the things that they remember are really the people and the experiences they've had with people and shared experiences. And you know, when you strip away um, things like uh, material goods or real estate or any other possessions, you know, our most valuable assets are really the relationships that, that, that we have. And a big part, I think of writing compelling fiction has to do with characters experiencing emotion, you know, over relationships and also um, wondering how much they can trust uh, people that that's, you know, betrayal is something that that happens a lot in 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 life and in fiction, and that's a, that's a betrayal of trust. And so, this question of who can you trust, how much can you trust, I think putting that in an espionage drama or a geopolitical drama um, is something that brings the characters to life.
2: Do you think I just uh, We were in a, uh hard yet to ask you this question because everybody's got a book inside of them, right? So you say. Do you think anybody can write an espionage book outside their expertise you've lived it i lived it we're writing stuff that we know about can people who have not lived it write about it
1: um i think they i think (laughs) it's a good question
2: i I, it's a it's a it's a theoretical question it's not a there's not a yes or no because everybody's different but it's you know everybody asks a question to me and i'm like i don't know you know go ahead give it a shot
1: well i i I think, I think writing is a, I think writing a fictional drama, writing, um, an arc of a story is a, uh, it's a job, it's a craft, it's something that can be taught and can be learned. I don't know that the, that most people put a lot of thought into it, but if, if they did, they could certainly get that part. Um, and when it comes to populating it with things like trade craft, it, there is a shocking amount, shocking amount of information available today. Um, people call it uh, open source intelligence or OSINT. And, um, a- almost anyone really has access to, to these kinds, to these kinds of tools. And I think we've seen from journalists who, you know, haven't necessarily lived the life of the, of a, of a person they're interviewing or writing about in, in nonfiction, but they do a such a good job of, of explaining it and bringing it to life, I think that proves that you know you don't have to have lived it to have done it. Whether anybody can do it is probably more a question of dedication and and skill.
2: Well, do you like to write?
1: Oh, I love to write. I write every single day for a couple of hours at least, and uh, it's it's what I'm what I'm usually thinking about until I just I'm just wrapping up my fourth book, which is a standalone and is different from the from the handler series and i just finished the third um handler book as well and so it's been a particularly active uh, couple of months for me and hopefully i will have everything wrapped up uh to be able to take august off and then get back to work uh with a with a fifth book in the fall
0: do you actually keep a series bible or do you sort of have a um, a way of keeping track of characters throughout your let's say in this uh, handler series
1: uh, a little bit i i I think that I keep notes I keep a running die what would I call it a log maybe <laughs> um, basically a document that's open at all times on my computer for um ideas as well as um, how how characters might might develop. But to be honest, it's, it's never that far from the surface of my mind that, that much. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it's that challenging for, to, to keep up with my main characters. It might be a little more challenging on plot details or minor characters or how am I going to connect this to that? That, that's, that's really where I keep um journals and things of that nature how do
2: you research i know you've been a lot of places do you you go to the other places you haven't been to and and scope out locations or what's your research process
1: i I, I do i was super fortunate in that um when when i was uh in in the navy i was with the u.s indo-pacific command and worked worked internationally all over the place really the middle east as well as you know kind of the the indonesian archipelago australia uh Etc. And then later with um, with Amazon, my job took me to forty different countries as we were opening up distribution for 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 Prime Video. So I I I've, I have the benefit of having been to a lot of places. Um, that said, my my most recent book that I just finished takes you know a significant chunk of it takes place in East Africa. And so over the Christmas holidays I actually went there for 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 3 weeks um and uh, there's some other there's some other countries I'm planning on visiting because there's just no there's no substitute for for having been there and and my aspiration is to have to know every place that I'm writing about to know it to know it fairly well I think it just it makes the writing easier and it makes the the story better
0: well, which, which comes first for you? Is it the location, the plot or the character? Like where, where does it start?
1: Uh, I'd say it's, uh, it's the character, the plot, and then the, and then the look, and then, then the location. <laughs> um, now that said, I, that's how I think about it in terms of like, if I was going to build an outline. Um, but you know, the presentation of the story is often Starting with a location, just because you want to start with the character being somewhere, or saying something, or experiencing somewhere. You know, hey, they just wiped the grid of the, the the sands of Egypt out of their eyes, right? Like you, you need to establish that very early in the story, in the uh, in the chapter or or scene. Uh, so, so, but when it comes to constructing a story, I think it starts with the character.
0: But it sounds like your location, you write it as a character itself, in a way.
1: Uh, in some re- in some respects, yeah, I think that's true.
0: So where do you see yourself going with this? Like, what what what's what's next? Uh, obviously, you've written a few other books. It sounds like
1: I have, yeah. So the the in the in the Handler series, we have Dead Drop. We have Dead Drop now, and then um, there's a there's a third book which doesn't have an official title, so I won't <laughs> I won't I won't make one up uh, right now. Although I have a working title and that uh that should come out uh next year and um hopefully also next year will be this uh, standalone book which is a little bit more of a uh military focus um and with a little bit more of a, a bent to china and again it is a standalone book uh w- that that has nothing to do with the handler series but that's that's what i'm uh working furiously to complete right now
2: so you ever thought about getting out of the genre at some point going into To kill a mockingbird or something like that, or is it could be military geopolitical thrillers?
1: I, yeah, you, I sure have. Um, and I think you you have to earn your way into that, right? Um, you know, if you got into the NFL as a, as a kicker, but you really wanted to be a quarterback, uh, well, you, you got to kick first, you know, um, and, and earn your, earn your place on the team and then work on your arm. And, uh, I, I think that that's, that that's, That's where I'm where I'm at. There's definitely things that I would like to explore, um, particularly thematically and and emotionally that uh, aren't necessarily, you know, what you'd consider to be in spy thriller uh, land. But as I said, I know I need to earn that right with uh, readers and with uh, with my editor.
0: Well, makes a good book for you. Yeah, exactly. That's right.
1: What makes a good book? Um, I think super strong characterization. If I feel genuine emotion when uh, the hero is threatened, um, then I, then I think it's, then I think it's a good book. Uh, I also think authenticity and believability for me, that's important. You know, I, I have enjoyed the occasional, uh, the occasional fantasy genre, you know, Game of Thrones types of things, but that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm writing. And so I, I think for it to feel super compelling, it needs to feel very authentic and as though, hey, this could have really happened. And so that's 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 what does it for me.
2: I get people ask me, uh, hey, uh, what what classes and training did you take to be a writer, and what should I take? And I'm like, I don't know. I I, I just started to write. Did you? take any formal training yourself or have any ideas of doing that as you move on to the next step in your writing career?
1: I, you know, you know what? I, I was, I oddly enough, um, when I was with uh, the U S Indo Pacific command, um, I had this job for about three years where I wrote war games. And not only did I write the war game scenarios for this vast command, you know, spread across the Pacific, I then had to generate all the message traffic and all the, the things that, these these uh, these various units spread around the world would would react to in an exercise, and so in in doing that, I mean, I kind of I kind of got into it. You know, I enjoyed um, having a big a big scenario. I enjoyed ha- um, uh, portraying various uh, reactions from other governments, other units, um, and, and that kind of thing. So that that started it for me almost as like plot training, and then in terms of honing the language and the prose. I had an unusual, <laughs> unusual training ground in Amazon where, um, you know, as an executive at Amazon, it, it, that, that culture rather famously relies on the written word. Um, PowerPoint is not allowed at Amazon. Everything's done, you know, via a document. The document, um, can't be longer than six pages. You know, your career sort of hinges on writing these documents. And, I, and so I think successful executives at Amazon are also pretty good journalists. And um, I got a lot of that training there and a lot of writing and rewriting and really thinking about how to portray ideas while doing that job.
2: Well, you got to at the government time because you can going to be replaced by AI now. They can do all <laughs> those war games.
1: Well, that would be convenient, you know. <laughs> if I could, if I could start there, yeah, maybe I would, maybe I would give it a try. I do think AI is, is super, it, its significance can't be overstated. I think it's, it's huge. Um, but I also think that it's been with us for longer than anybody seems to talk about. I mean, if you think about Alexa, which launched in 2014, you know what is that uh, other than an ai engine and so th- this has been evolving for quite a while i think it's just one of those moments when it broke into the uh consumer consciousness with with chat gpt that all of a sudden everybody's really thought where this could be headed but many people have been thinking about it um for a long time
0: what's your thought on the chat gpt i mean isn't it in a way isn't it just kind of like computerized plagiarism in a sense
1: uh i think it is a super efficient way to organize all the information that you could go get on the internet and then presenting it in a way that is convenient and consumable for a regular person. And I think that's the magic of it. Um, If you play around, I'm sure, you know, you've played around with it, but it's a garbage in garbage out uh, kind of model, right? If it's going, it can go and collect all kinds of stuff. Sometimes, which is, which is wrong or, or incomplete because it's getting whatever is out there. Uh, so I, I, I think it is, I think it's commercial, um, reality will be that it will be the next version of search. You know, it's, it seems pretty clear to me that this is what Google and Bing will become fairly quickly. And, um, and if you think about what Google has done is, you know, they're the guys, whether you know it or not, that indexed and organized the entire internet. And so I think that they'll continue to do that, uh, as will a couple of other companies. And the presentation of the Internet will become more interactive through things like ChatGPT and, and other AI tools.
0: Yeah, world's changing. Um, now, speaking of that, do you have a big presence on social media? Do you have a web page? How do you like to interact with readers?
1: Yeah, I have uh I, so um I'm I'm on uh I'm I have a website mpwoodward.com mpwoodward.com and also on uh, Facebook at mp.woodward and of course Twitter at mpw author. Um Facebook is is where uh, I find most of the the thriller readers are and and uh the uh the, the followers there kind of kind of really blossomed over the last year or two a lot more than than I thought they would and and very organically. So that's that's super gratifying. On on Twitter I find that it's uh that there's some interaction there as well, but a lot of times it's with other people in the um in the the writing the writing community, quite, quite frankly. I also keep up with a blog. You mentioned things like um like like AI and we talked a little bit about other geopolitical problems where when I'm in doing my research, I try to about once a month um, highlight an article to show hey here's something that's going on in the world that you might not have seen and I like to share those on LinkedIn as well as on as well as on my, my blog but but I often try to relate them back to my tech career and, um, and and current business
0: well of course we'll put everything up on the website so people can find you with one easy click and uh, appreciate it and uh, you ever find yourself writing a story and halfway through you kind of get like a block and you don't know where to go
1: uh that happens to me about every uh, every 3 days, yeah.
0: Do <laughs> you have a system for getting out of it or do you do you, are you able to put something down and move on to a different different book or a different story?
1: Uh no, I I I'm, I'm generally one story at a time, but I would say that my I have two two well maybe three ways to to do it. One is um I try to Stream of consciousness. Just sit there and and write and ask myself questions. Well, why would this happen? Well, why would that happen? You know, so that you're you're logging exactly what you're what you are thinking in in real time. And a lot of times that'll that'll resolve it. The other thing that will resolve it is just stepping away from it for a day or two. And I like to read a lot of nonfiction. You know, um, particularly uh, things related to research. But I also love to read historical biographies, um, because when, you, when you're reading those, you realize, hey, here have been extraordinary people who have been faced with, with things that they've overcome one way or the other. And I don't know why, but that has a tendency to, to, to make me think a little bit more openly and get out of the, the, the mental um, box I've created for myself.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. Well, we certainly had a pleasure uh, having you on learned a lot, now I can write a book and be successful. Just have Chat do it, man.
1: <laughs> Somewhere between the two, I'm, I'm sure you're right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, our guest, his new book's called Dead Drop, and it's a handler thriller, it's book two, M.P. Woodward, thank you for being here.
1: Alan, Joe, it's been my, 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 my true pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. You've
2: been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guest,